from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Let's get it going. A career talk series exam channel 132 and if you weren't thinking of switching careers before after that song you just might have the energy to do that hey welcome we're excited to have you here during our career talk six week switcher fest which is a full six episodes dedicated to career switchers of every kind i'm your host dr don graham I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And we have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, who are ready to take your calls right now. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, we are here all hour taking your calls on any and all job search questions throughout the hour. 844-942-7866. And hey, if you're not following me on Twitter and Instagram, it's easy, at Dr. Don Graham. So why are we having a six-week switcher fest? Well, a Monster.com poll this year found that 64% of U.S. workers dream about having a different job every second of every day. Holy Hannah, that is a lot of daydreaming. So switching is becoming the new normal, but hiring processes haven't yet caught up, which means that a lot of people who are switching careers are weeded out through applicant tracking systems and other matching algorithms that just don't work in your favor. So we are here on a mission on Career Talk to help you make the switch you want to make. We are talking about military to civilian transitions, retirement, twilight careers, returning to the workplace after an extended absence. Last week, we talked about moving from incarceration to employment. So any and all switches are welcome. And we want to take your calls right now at 844-942-7866. So today we are focusing on how to rebrand your resume and LinkedIn. To help us with that, we welcome back crowd favorite Ross McPherson to the show. Ross is president of CareerQuest, a certified interview and job search coach and recognized as one of the best resume writers in North America. He has spoken extensively to audiences across the U.S., Canada, and Asia, including to our MBA students right here at Wharton. And he is a crowd favorite, so get your dialing fingers ready, 844-942-7866. Welcome back to Career Talk, Ross. Thanks so much, Don. Thrilled to be here. So let's just dive right in because we have we, we always get so many calls when you're when you're here and I want to get to a lot of these important yeah. topics. So what about cover letters? If you're a switcher of any kind, do we need a cover letter? I'm always a fan of send, unless they tell you not to, if they come right out and say, don't bother sending one, then go ahead and send one um, and just make certain it's fantastic. If you're especially a switcher, the cover letter and the resume have got to very clearly say, here's what I can offer you. If you're moving into a new career, new area, new sector, new job, you've got to make your argument for them. You've got to make the case. So do we talk about being a switcher in the cover letter? Um. I don't, I've never never been a fan, whenever I've, I've written these cover letters um, for my clients, I've never been a fan of coming right out and saying, I am switching careers. I usually like to take the argument of, here's what I can bring. Um, you know, for, let's say if you've been doing, you know, X project management or something like that, and you were trying to move into a totally different field, say for the last X number of years, I have been doing this, doing this, and doing this, and all of these things you're mentioning are relevant to where you're trying to go. And so you're making it very clear. But the minute you start saying, I'm a switcher, I'm trying to make a switch, I hope, you know, you, you think I can offer, then it just, it sound, it has the wrong tone, and you're giving them a reason, quite honestly, I think, to sort of say, ah, I don't know if I want a switcher, but if you can make your case before they even figure it out, then you're in the door. Yeah, I would agree. I would say that's the equivalent of starting your cover letter or email with, I am not at all what you're looking for. But really pretty much is. <laughs> putting it that pretty much is inviting them to say no nah, not interested right off the bat yeah and I would carry that through I mean when you're making any kind of career transition whether you're networking or you're in an interview or you're doing your LinkedIn any of those things 
you want to position yourself as the candidate of choice. And I always say, Ross, match first, stand out second. So you may have some really impressive things in your background, but your new audience is not at all interested in those. Um, You want to put out what they're most interested in first. So don't talk about words like transition, change, switcher, because once you do that, like you said, you're planting the seed that you are not what they want. So why would you do that? So, okay. Awesome. 844-942-7866. 844-WARTON. We are taking your calls all hour long. You're listening to Switcher Fest on SiriusXM channel 132. We are Career Talk, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We are here with Ross McPherson talking all about how to rebrand yourself on LinkedIn or your resume or your cover letter. Okay, so we've all heard that people don't tend to read cover letters, but what I what I what I know from digging into the research is that people read cover letters second, and I did this as well. If your resume is of interest to me, I am gonna read that cover letter. So I think in addition to showing how your skills match, one of the other things I think it's important to come through in a in a cover letter very concisely is why you want this job at this company. How can people relay that, Ross? Uh, honestly, I, I'm a big fan of just come right out and say it. Uh, I don't think you need to mince words. I think you can come out. Cover letters used to be in the in the old, old days, and some of us are old enough to remember the old, old days, when they were very formal, very stuffy letters. Uh, now get right to the point and say, I love your company. I love this product, and I would love to bring my expertise. I'm, come right out and say it. So I listen, be as, be as you know, I, you still want to sound professional, but come right out and say, this is what I think I can offer you. And if you know your stuff, if you're just applying blankly to companies randomly and you don't really know who you're applying to or why you would want that, then it's, it's going to come across. But if you've done the research, you want this job, you think you're a perfect fit for it. What is it that excites you? And come right out and say, what I love to do is this. I love doing international sales. I love opening up new markets in new territories. And that's exactly what I would love to do for your company. Come right out and say it like that. And that passion and that interest really does come across. It translates nicely in a letter. Yeah, and I'm going to tag on to that and say, don't say I have passion. Show your passion. There you go. Show. And this goes for your resume, your LinkedIn, your answers in an interview. To say, I have great communication skills or I have great passion for it. Don't, if you have to tell me, then you're not showing me. And I'm going to be much more impressed and convinced if you're showing, not telling. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132, if it's noon Eastern time on Thursday. We're taking your calls all hour long right now at 844-942-7866. Dream Team in studio and Ross McPherson back on the show sharing his expert advice on resumes, LinkedIn, and cover letters specifically if you're a switcher. So if you're changing careers, maybe you're returning to the workplace after an extended absence or struggling with how to explain multiple job hops on your resume. Maybe you don't have a degree and the jobs you're applying to are asking for that degree. We want to help you brand yourself so that you get that job. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So one thing I will say about all of this, Ross, is that people have to do their research because it is painfully obvious from my days as a recruiter if you do not do your homework, oh, yeah. painfully obvious, and that means preparing and that means a lot of steps to get to my chair so that I can interview you. But mm-hmm. but specifically, as we kind of wrap up the cover letter, one of the things that I think is really helpful is if you name drop. So maybe you've spoken to a couple of different people in the organization, and I think that can really show somebody that you're committed. And if you could say, hey, I spoke with Ross McPherson, and yeah. you know, one of the, the reasons I'm I'm uniquely interested in um, you know your firm is x y and z and i think you have to get that specific because it's also i would always venture to say that if you send a generic cover letter you might as well not send any cover letter yeah yeah generic anything to be honest with you yeah if you send anything generic at all and you make a great point if you can you know drop a name and and, but don't just drop a name because you you went online and found out who the vp of finance is and you drop that name randomly i mean try to talk to these people and if you can say, I spoke with so-and-so, or even if you, you go online, and I'm always advising people when I'm speaking on this, is you know, do a little bit of research into the company. Look up the CEO's name and see if the CEO has spoken, delivered something, um, is quoted in a magazine, is, or you know, is spoken at a, at a board of trade or chamber of commerce, and, 
and said, you know, here's where I see our company or our, our industry going over the next five years, and referenced that and said, I just recently read an article by your CEO where she said blah, blah, blah. You know, I'd love to be a part of that. And just that little drop, that little phrase in a sentence says, I've done my homework. I've taken the extra steps. I genuinely am interested in working here. Mm-hmm. Invest in them so that they invest in you. There you go. And, you know, one of the things I was just reading is that, you know, recruiters today, on average, they're handling 40 open job requisitions, some of them up to 100 open job requisitions. And we know the stats. Once you put something out on on Monster online, they get 250 resumes. So do the math on that. Yeah. I can't do the math on that on air. But (laughs) do the math on 250 resumes times 40 or 50 job recs and all of this coming into them, if you don't stand out in about six seconds, you're not even going to get a second look, which is why if you start your cover letter with I'm switching, bam, you make it really easy for me to toss you aside and go on to the next person. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. It's Switcher Fest on Career Talk for the next six weeks. We are talking all about how to rebrand yourself and make career switches so that you can land your dream job right here on Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132. You've got a question or a comment, we want to hear from you, 844-942-7866. We're here with Ross McPherson, who is the president of CareerQuest, who is taking your calls all hour long if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So, okay, so any last words on cover letters before we move on to the the resume, which is really the, the heart and soul? Um, I, you know, w- w- again, with cover letters, I think you said it. You, you slipped the word in very quickly, but the word is concise. Really, you've got to keep it. There was, again, in the old days, you could write a, a long, you know, long letter that was, you know, four or five fairly sizable, chunky paragraphs that told your whole story and background and so forth. And the reality is today... It's got to be like half that. It's got to be concise. And when I'm putting a cover letter together um, for a client, I'm usually, you open strong. Please don't open with, you know, in response to your posting that I saw. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, yeah, you, you nearly threw up. Other people slip into a small coma. Whatever it is, you put them to sleep in the opening line. Jump right in with something that's going to grab their attention. And I'm a big fan in that second section of a cover letter, the body of it. Jump right into some bullet points and say, and I'll even say, here's specifically what I can bring to the role. And then bullet, 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 and keep them concise to the point and directly to what they're after. That's what you're after. You're after concise. What is it they're looking for? You've got to recognize, just to your point, these recruiters are going, you know, some of them 40, 50, 60 concurrent roles they're, they're trying to fill at one time. You don't waste their time. Get to the point. I'm the one you're looking for. I've got what you're looking for. Here's what it is, and that's that's what you're after in a cover letter. Really concise and to the point. Well said, Ross. Here's what I, here's what I'll say. If you write a cover letter that's a page, go back and cut it in half. There you I, go. I don't I don't care what you take out. Just cut it in half. That's probably going to get read, and you don't want your great information being hidden by your good information. Remember, Nicely put. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ross. And by the way, you know, these olden days you're speaking of, you'll have to tell me about that sometime because I really have no idea <laughs> what you're... rubbing that way. Yeah, no... I appreciate that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> you just keep bringing it up. So now you've gotten me intrigued. Okay, I will not bring it up. <laughs> 844-844-942-7866. Hey, do you know that MS Word doesn't catch spelling errors in all caps unless you set it to do so? Hey, we're giving away great tips like that. And a lot of people use all caps for their headlines. So if you're doing that, make sure your spell check is catching those words. All those tips and great ones today all day on SiriusXM channel 132. We're Career Talk and we are in the midst of Switcher Fest. So let's talk resumes. So interestingly, um, I just learned today that October is Emotional Intelligence Awareness Month and um, 75% of managers prefer EQ, so so more emotional intelligence about how we interact with others, how we influence, how we build relationships and collaborate over IQ. So I, it made me think, Ross, how does somebody communicate this, you know, maybe what is considered more soft skills on a resume? Uh, that's an excellent point. And I think you, and there are certain roles to your, it, you know, you're absolutely right. There are certain roles where that plays almost a heavier role than some of the other harder skills. It really can. But what you've got to do, I mean, if you, if you can, when you're putting any kind of an accomplishment down or you're trying to say, you know, I have that emotional intelligence in this capacity or I have those 
whether it is you know those interacting skills or that collaborative ability or that ability to work with this type of person or that type of group when you're trying to make that point you can say it i'm very good doing this but that's just a claim and it's a very empty claim and you and i have spoken about this on the show before you've got to back it up otherwise it's just a claim and i'm going to sort of skip by it it's sort of like saying those cliches you know strong oral and written communication skills if you don't back it up you haven't proven it to me so if you can actually show me where you've been able to you know um you know uh, build collaboration that enabled this or or you know improved that or brought this group together or something along those lines put it in a context or back it up in some way give me an example somewhere in your past in your work history more recent being better and then at least you're actually saying something and you can even at the beginning if it's that important and it's even in the posting as that important um that particular softer skill you know one of the things i'm often a, sometimes a fan of and you see me do this don is is put a put a little subheading at the beginning of your bullet point so if you want to say a point about you know relationship building then put bullet point relationship building and then hyphen or dash and then give me an example of when you did that you just have to be consistent through all your bullets doing something like that but that's a nice way or at least a solid strong way of communicating a softer skill and actually backing it up as opposed to just bland, blandly mentioning it and hoping that that's going to open the door Yep, back it up. The back term up. for the day, remember? Back it up. We say it so many times. Back, back it, it up, up. Back it up. <laughs> Make sure you back it up. And <clears throat> another quick tip on on that we're going to give cuz we're giving lots of quick tips on resumes and LinkedIn yeah. all hour long. Here, if you have some of these terms on your resume, please take them off. Do yourself a favor. Responsible yeah. for anything oh you <laughs> Ross just threw up in don't, his mouth a little. Me, yeah, just a little bit. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything you write after responsible for is a job task. It is not an accomplishment. No. So use a strong verb that and I always say this. Pretend it's charades. If it's a verb you can act out, that's a good verb for your resume. So so think about that. Collaborated, integrated reduced things that you can actually almost visualize if you have words like results oriented you know ross give me a few others that you well, see all the time well the one well, well there's so many versions of results oriented and results driven and um please if anyone's listening results orientated is not a word that one drives me absolutely insane um orientated is not a word um it, it's really just clichés more than anything else it's just bland clichés just like i had said the you know strong oral and written communication skills i mean no one speaks like that and you know but always i always get a kick out of the fact that you're trying to communicate your communication skills and you're speaking in clichés no t- put it in a context as i said put it say proven communication skills or an ability to communicate and build relationships with suppliers vendors uh strategic partners and so and so now you're telling me something um but you know those kind of those kind of words and and again to the spell check um you and I have heard and seen every imaginable spell check doesn't catch everything um and we've seen a lot of general mangers and, <laughs> and a lot of pubic accountants and oh, a lot of God. I mean there's just so many you've got to got, got to actually read it or better yet have someone else who hasn't been looking at those words for the last 5 hours have someone else take a look at it they'll catch the spell the typos faster than you will 844 Wharton 844-942-7866 you're listening to Switcherfest on Career Talk Series XM channel 132 and we are taking your calls all hour long hey are you trying to perhaps minimize a gap in your resume or maybe you've done a lot of job hopping or maybe you've been at the same company for a number of years believe it or not in today's market being at a company too long is is also a red flag because companies start to worry that you're not agile or you can't adapt to a new environment and produce there. So, hey, we want to help you market yourself to the job that you want. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 132. We're here with Ross McPherson. He is a resume and LinkedIn expert guru and all of those those great words that you probably shouldn't use in your your um headline on linkedin right guru jedi yeah I mean... guru jedi these have been done to death <laughs> they were really cute for a while and a short while and and now they're not so much yeah yeah so let's talk about titles because you know one of the things that i always tell people is that resumes linkedin these are marketing documents they're yeah. not legal documents and 
you know, of course, we would never tell anybody to lie or make things up because you're just going to have to answer to that in the interview. So you don't want to do that. But sometimes you have a title that isn't very descriptive or doesn't really mean a lot to the outside world. How can people deal with this as they're trying to make a switch, Ross? That's a fantastic point. Um, Yeah, but job titles, I'm sure there are people listening who have had who either have right now or have had job titles that either don't fully or accurately reflect what they do or in some cases, it's just not helping you. I mean, I've known companies where, you know, maybe your, your job title is a manager of some kind, but at any other company, that would be a VP or a director level. And if you're trying to move to another company where they do call it a VP or a director, coming out with a manager is not helping you. So there's all sorts of reasons why those titles might not be, might not be great. What you can do, you can't just randomly, it's really frowned upon, you can't just randomly change your job title. Because um, if someone does a follow-up and says, oh, I understand, you know, Phil was the such-and-such, they'll say, well, no, actually, he was this. Uh, that can reflect poorly on you. So what you can do, a little trick that I've done before, is put, a, put the, the inaccurate, ridiculous title down um, and then either put a slash, like a forward slash, and then change it to put a, a title that's more accurate, or you can put it in parentheses, you know, equivalent to VP operations or something like that. Um, or you can put the, job, the crazy job title down and then either a hyphen or put in brackets and then clarify it was. Focus on, you know, and then it says, you know, um, focused on project management and project and business development or something like that. Um, so you can clarify it that way. Taking the job titles, in, the ridiculous ones out entirely is typically frowned upon, but you can clarify it or give it an equivalent title. And that actually helps. It actually can really it can help in a number of ways. People understand the role. It also helps in the searchability when it goes through an like an ATS kind of filter, where someone might be searching for certain job titles. Um, if they're searching for someone who has been a VP finance or a financial analyst or whatever it happens to be, they're using that search criteria. And if you had something similar, then at least you can get it in there. So you can still put that in your job title line. And on LinkedIn, they give you like 100 characters for your job title. So you can actually go a little crazy in there. Yeah, and you you, you want to go a little crazy. You want to stand out, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so go crazy. There there is a uh, there's a website. I don't know if it's still up, but it was called the Stupid Job Title Generator. Um, and and you can literally type your name in, and it will generate a number of of stupid titles. So I'll tell you some of the ones it came up with for me. Um, Don is a Blue Skies Business Logic excellence developer oh yeah that's, that, that's perfect doesn't that sound impressive that is very impressive um, <laughs> i can see the business card right now <laughs> a global information middleware integrator <laughs> <laughs> an organic performance deliverable anal- analyst oh dear I, I can't even say these titles but yeah and i think companies do this because they're trying to um you know either either make the position sound Interesting or, or, you know, who knows, but that is not what people are searching for, which is gets us to another point, Ross. You want to create something on LinkedIn that people will search for. So how do you do that when you don't have the background? Ah, uh, you're, again, an interesting point. You've, what you've got to do is you've got to try to find a way, and the summary on LinkedIn is probably the best place you can do that. Uh, the summary on LinkedIn gives you 2,000 characters to play with, and most people use about 150 characters if they put anything in there at all. So really, I mean, you've got a chance to really kind of position yourself and feel free to be conversational and tell your story. And if you are, you know, trying to make a bit of a switch, um, this is where you make your case. This is where you present, you know, remember to give you the, the analogy I gave earlier, you know, for the past six years I've been doing this, 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 and this and really kind of sell yourself into this new world, this new role, or this new kind of industry. Um, so when you're making a switch, the, the summary, your experience is what it is. If you're coming from a completely different background, or whether you've been out for a while, or whatever it happens to be, your experience is what it is. And you can sometimes massage that a little bit, focus on elements of your previous career that are more relevant to where you're trying to switch to now. You can do that. But if you really want to make your case and tell your story and why you're suited and what you're looking for, um, the summary is where you do it. And uh, we've spoken about this phrase in the past, Don, and I know um, others may have already heard me say this, but if you're trying to make that switch and get those keywords in there, one of the magical three words that any resume writer, good resume writer knows is ideally suited to or ideally able to or ideally positioned to or something like that. And you can in your summary say, here's what I'm ideally suited to do for you, colon, and then you can hit either bullets or 
any number of things, but now you're starting to weave in the keywords, those searchable skill sets and terminology that your new career is looking for. And you're able to weave those in, even if you've never done that before. And if you can back up why you'd be ideally suited to it, you can at least sneak them in there. Fantastic. This is Ross McPherson from uh, CareerQuest, who is a listener favorite here on Career Talk, giving great advice all hour long. If you want to talk to Ross, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866 on SiriusXM channel 132. Hey, guess what? As a thank you for being a loyal listener of Career Talk for the duration of the six-week Switcher Fest, which we are in the midst of right now through November 8th, we're giving listeners an access code to get 50% off of the audiobook version of Switchers, how smart professionals change careers and see success so to redeem this listener only deal you go to downpour.com that's d-o-w-n-p-o-u-r.com and enter the code dp switchers in checkout hey you're listening to career talk we're taking your calls all hour long at 844 wharton 844-942-7866 if you've got a question about how to reposition your resume linkedin or cover letter to land a job switch you've hit the right channel we're talking about that all hour long 844-942-7866 but right now we are going to go to our pre-break quiz quiz there's a quiz A recent study found that university students infected with this were more likely to major in business. A recent study found that university students infected with this were more likely to major in business. If you think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio Series XM Channel. 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're here with Dream Team in studio. Take your calls right now at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, we want to hear from you. And we have crowd favorite Ross McPherson on the show. He's the president of CareerQuest and a certified interview and job search coach. And Ross, where can people reach you if they'd like to after the show? Um, they could email me directly at Ross, R-O-S-S, at yourcareerquest.com. Um, and you always get a kick out of this. I don't mind if you phone me. You can call me toll-free at one 426 8548 I'd love to talk to you. Yep. I think my mom's going to call you one of these days. I can't She's- wait. <laughs> You, ca- I, you keep saying it. It never happens. I know. Well, Mom, if you're listening, Ross is going to wait for your call. <laughs> or you can call us here at SiriusXM, 844-942-7866. You can ask Ross a question right now. You don't even have to wait. Nope. Hey, we're going to go to Cedric in New Orleans. Cedric, welcome to the show. What's on your mind today? Hi. How y'all doing today? Um, so I had a question. I know you're talking about switching and, and what have you, but... You know, I've kind of been in the space of either doing a lot of freelance work or diving into the entrepreneurial space. But at the same time, I also want to go back into the corporate world so that I can have a little bit more stability. So my question is, you know, getting beyond understanding the algorithms and how these recruiters view resumes and and really because most of the time, if I'm applying for something, the experience is there. So it's not that I'm trying to switch. Mm-hmm. It's just that I, I know that I would be a good fit. It's just getting beyond, you know, the, the noise. So getting beyond the noise. And you talked about being a um, you know, kind of entrepreneur and doing a lot of jobs. How, how are you grouping that on your resume and your LinkedIn, Cedric? So that's the thing. I, you know, I, I usually put it as, as the company's name, my company's name. Um, with the things that I've done or the things that I've accomplished. Um, you know, oftentimes when I've done things, it's, it's never sent portfolios, so that doesn't help. Um, so, it's you know, it's kind of really just listing the things that I've, I've been doing. 
So yeah, so so um, Ross, I think the question is, how can Cedric present his background in a way that's attractive to corporations who are looking to hire? Got it. Do you mind, Cedric, if I ask you what sort of what sort of freelance work or, or work have, or project work or entrepreneurial work have you been doing? So it's an amalgam of my life. So it's it's a it's a mix of entertainment, diversity and inclusion, and brand strategy. Okay. And so because you know the world that we live in, everything all boils down to people. Right. So, you know, and, and, you know, as a former entertainer and, you know, then going into the diversity work as well as the brand strategy, it all boils down to communication. Yeah. So that's the crux of what the work is about. And if you were, can you give me an example of a type of role that you might apply for? Because it really is, there's, an, I can't sort of answer the question. It's really honestly impossible to do out of, out of context because you've really got to customize it. It sounds like with such a, a diverse and fascinating background, You've got to sort of pick mm-hmm. and choose. If you're, if you're applying for Job X, let's say it's, it is sort of a brand strategy type of role that you're seeing, getting back into the corporate space, that's what you've got to focus your resume on and focus the work. And if, you're, if, you're, if you do sort of you know, um, aggregate or collect um, or sort of put position the work that you've done, the freelance work that you've done under, under your current company title, you've got to focus on you know, the, the brand work that you've done more than anything else. Because otherwise... It is such a diverse mix, and I totally agree with you. It does boil down to people. Everything, that's the common thread through what you do. But understanding the recruiter, if they're hiring for a brand strategist, they're thinking brand strategist. And you've got to, you've got to appeal to that. So even if you said that in your company, you know, do a diverse amount of work ranging from this, this, and this, with a focus on brand strategy and something else, brand projects include, colon, and then hit me with three or four bullets of some brand work that you've done. Or if it's an entertainment type of role or something that has, you know, where you can pull some of that or that a diversity role, then you highlight that. But you've got to talk their language. If there's someone's looking to hire for X, you've got to appeal to X and pull out everything that you've got and focus on that. It may mean minimizing or even possibly leaving off something that you're really quite proud of. But if it completely throws me, the recruiter, off, if I look at it and go, I don't get where this fits, then that can work against you. So it's really a matter of focus. Does that make sense? It, it does. And, you know, and I've tried to, I've tried to, you know, get into that space of <clears throat> uh, basically leveraging what the, what they're, they're looking for, yeah. particularly in their job descriptions and trying and try to, you know, fix my resume or my cover letter to, to match it as best as possible. And so, you know, and I've had other people review it because mm-hmm. I do get it. I've missed some things before. And I acknowledge that, so I've had other eyes look at it. It's yeah, really, good. you know, not understanding if there is some sort of other type of thing that I'm missing throughout the process. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say not seeing it, but I would say, I mean, the more you can really zero in. The other thing you might want, and again, I haven't seen it, um, but another thing sure. that, that Don and I are both, you know, strong proponents of is at the top of your resume, um, you know, before you get to your work experience or whatever, any of those headings, put some kind of a profile or summary together and really make that thing. I mean, really position yourself in there as, you know, here's what I'm bringing to the table and distinguish yourself and, and on all of that. And then by the time they see the work experience, they're putting it, they've already mm-hmm. got a context in their head. You've already almost sold them. When I'm putting a resume together for a client, um, you know, I, my goal is I want someone picking up the phone by halfway down page one. Um, I really like go out of my way to make certain I'm positioning someone for where they're trying to go so that by the time they do see that diversity of experience, they understand it in a context. It makes sense. So don't, you know, don't, don't hold back. It's fantastic you're getting that kind of feedback. And if you keep zeroing in on it and keep hitting the kind of criteria they're looking for in those roles, Cedric, I know it's going to hit for, I know it's going to hit for you. Yeah, and I, um, I, I totally agree with you, Ross. And, and Cedric, I want to, I want to summarize because there's a lot of great points in this conversation that I want to pull out because I think it will, will help certainly your job search, but a lot of people who find themselves in this situation. I think one, you have to understand what your plan A is. You have to define it. It's clear from your background. You can go in a lot of different directions, but I think what's going to be most important to your audience is that you pick one, you've committed to it, and you, um, you know, are excited about doing that because when you network, people want to know if they're going to spend their social currency on you and introduce you to people that you've made this decision and that this is where you want to go. So yes, you can do a lot of things, but you want to pick which one you're going for. And then, um, you know, on LinkedIn, you can really only have one brand. It's it's pretty yeah. difficult to dual brand anyway, but that's what um, I think, Ross, an important point that you pull out is 
this is hard, but sometimes as a switcher, and I would almost venture to say most times as a switcher, you're going to have to remove things from your resume or your LinkedIn that you're really proud of and that, that really helped define you, but that your audience is going to see as a detour off the path. And the second they detour off that path of you being an ideal match, they're on to the next person. And what we want you to do is match first, stand out second. So if you find that you're a brand strategist, um, you know, you're putting that forward, but you come across a company who really is interested in the entertainment side later, that might be something you bring in as a bonus. But first, you have to match. Otherwise, that that bonus material will take them off the path and they'll think, oh, you're not a match. So I think all of those things, um, you know, are points that were covered. But I want to reiterate because they're very important. And uh, I have no doubt that you're going to get where you want to go, especially because it sounds like you're already networking and asking people to look at your, your background. The more people who know you, who understand the value you bring to an organization, the more people they're going to introduce you to and the more information opportunities are going to come your way. So I think that's one of the most important things you're doing, Cedric, that is going to help you land. Thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. Best of luck to you, Cedric, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and on Career Talk, we're always striving to drive career opportunities for all. We're thrilled to be hosting a six-week switcher fest to help career changes everywhere land their dream job. The first show in the series was phenomenal. We had Kat Hoke, who is the author of A Second Chance, sharing practical tips for individuals with criminal history to get beyond that bias and land an awesome job. If you missed it, you can catch it on iTunes and Google Play. And today we're talking all about rebranding yourself on your resume and LinkedIn. So we have Ross McPherson, resume guru. He is here helping you all hour long. If you want an on-air live resume revision, we're here to do that. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Ryan in Illinois. Welcome to the show, Ryan. What's on your mind today? Hi, uh, Dr. Graham. I, uh, I want to say first, thanks for taking my call. And I really, really uh, enjoy your show. It was probably my favorite. Oh, <laughs> thank you, I Ryan. So, yeah. Um, I, I'll start this by saying I'm not actively uh, in, in the uh, transition phase. Um but uh, I do like to keep my, my resume updated uh, because you just never know. Um, and I hear a lot of talk about the content, um, and I think that's great. I, my question is more about the, uh, the style of a resume, if you will, um, and whether there's pros or cons for, for either. Um, uh, because, you know, you see there's a lot of resume templates, and, you know, there's elegant and modern and classic. And uh, I just wondered if you guys had an opinion on – does, does, does the style, does the appearance of the resume um, make a difference? It's a they, great, yeah, it's a a great, great question. question. And Ryan, as an, as an avid listener of the show, you know we have an opinion on, on pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> go ahead, Ross. Um, here's, here's my take on it. I mean, there, there are – I'll sort of talk two ends of the spectrum. Um, and thanks again for that question because it's one that almost never comes up, and it's, an, it's a valid one. Um, there are, on, on the far end of the, of the sort of spectrum, you're absolutely right, Ryan, there are, there are a ton of templates out there, and there's some very, what we call graphic resumes out there right now that you can use, and they look gorgeous, and they've got all sorts of swirling colors and graphs and templates and pie charts and, and every imaginable thing, Venn diagrams that demonstrate, that, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal what these things look like. However, and they can look great, and I'm not saying don't use them because there may be scenarios, usually in a networking scenario, where you can show them this something, this really dynamic, amazing version of it. But understand that if you are looking to apply somewhere a little bit more traditional, like apply online somewhere, you see a posting somewhere, they're not really set up to receive those. And they're also typically, those are so visually oriented that there's very little content in terms of words, actual words in there. And understand that these, I mean, these filters, these ATS systems that recruiters and companies use, they are, they're out there. And you've got to, you know, if it's looking for words. It's not looking for fancy graphs and Venn diagrams. It's looking for words. So you've got to have ample content in your resume. So those can work, as I said, in a visual kind of a in-person, face-to-face, here's another version of my resume, and it's a more dynamic, visually appealing kind of thing go for it. That can certainly help in that context. But when you're looking to apply, and I'd say the vast majority of the time, you can make it a little stylistic, but don't go crazy. To be honest with you, your resume guaranteed will be converted into a digital file somewhere. 
So does it need, yes, it will eventually, you know, meet a human, um, but it, it does exist digitally out there now. So it really is about the content and the words more than anything. Now, that said, I have seen some bare bones, dead dog, ugly resumes out there that really put, like someone put zero effort into. Um, you do want it to look stylish. You do want it to look professional. But do you need more colors? Not necessarily. Do you need fancy diagrams? these ATS systems don't know what to do with them anyway. So I would say it's got to be polished, it's got to be professional, it's got to be clean, it's got to be it's got to be great in that respect, but does it need to be overly fancy and and a template? I mean, you know, I've said this before on the show, I'm not a fan of templates because it forces that unique version, that amazing unique you into a box. And I personally believe work with what that amazing dynamic version of you is and build the resume that's going to work for you that way. That's a much more effective. Then you're going to stand out as opposed to the, the format stand out. Does that make sense? So advice. I kind of had the opinion of <clears throat> you don't want it to be too flashy where it's almost distracting. Yeah. Um, you know, when, you, when he gets in front of, you know, that hiring manager, uh, that, that person that's in the interview, uh, but at the same time, you don't want just necessarily black letters on a white sheet um, yeah. that, just seem really bland. So. so, yeah, and Ryan, I do think this is an important question because as somebody who did recruiting for a long time and had seriously 80 job recs open at once and was looking at resumes to the point where my eyeballs were cross-eyed, um, you know, it, it's the fancy colors and all of this, it, it doesn't necessarily help me because as a recruiter, I was thinking about a certain format and I was expecting to see that format and it helped me look at the resumes in a certain way and glean the information I needed really quickly. So sometimes when a resume came in that was maybe in a more functional format, which is grouped by competencies versus historical, chronological you know, I missed things. And so I do think it's in your best interest to think about who's reading this first. Is it an applicant tracking system? And we know 98% of Fortune 500 companies use these. And 75% of resumes don't make it through these either because they're weeded out, because there's not a match in keywords, or to Ross's point, they're not in a format that the system can read what it needs to read. And so it spits you out thinking you don't have these skills. Um, the other thing that's interesting is, uh, you know, as a former recruiter, we know where resumes come from. So we can tell if you applied through Indeed or LinkedIn yeah. or, or um, you know, through our company website in, you know, in, in general. And I think as much as I would say, I don't think that should bias anything. It does. You know, if you came to my company website, I might take a look at you a little bit harder than somebody who didn't come through a company website. So I think these things are minor details, but when you're talking about 250 resumes going in, you want to give yourself every advantage you can to get in front of the decision maker to, to build your case. Because in my opinion, that's the hardest part is, is getting through the noise as you talk about, Ryan, and getting in front of the decision maker. And obviously, we're going we're gonna to plug networking right now because if you can get a contact inside to put your resume in front, that's always going to be best. But if you're applying through the online system, there are definitely tricks you can use to up your chances, like some of the ones we just talked about. So thank you for that important question, Ryan. We appreciate it. Hey, you got a question? 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So in addition to 98% of companies using um, applicant tracking systems, over 93% of recruiters are also using social media. So be aware. Be aware of what you're putting out there, even if you think you have your privacy settings set. Trust me when I say we are a connected world, and it is not difficult to dig into information that maybe you don't want people to see as you're going through a job search. And hey, guess what? As a thank you for being a loyal listener... On Switcher Fest, which goes through November 8th, we're giving away a 50% discount on the audiobook version of Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success. If you go to downpour.com and enter DP Switchers at checkout, you will get this discount. So if you love the podcast of Career Talk, you'll love the audiobook of Switchers, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. We're here with Ross McPherson taking your calls all hour, but let's answer the pre-break quiz. So, a recent study found that university students infected with this were more likely to major in business. And as always, Career Talk is a PG-13 show, and I'd like to remind everyone of that. 
Are Dion. you reminding me? Mostly Dion. <laughs> Mostly Dion. Okay. Um, I don't know how this is this is going to be related, but I'm going to say infected with the love bug. Ooh, the love bug. What is that? I don't huh? even. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so now that you said it, you have to explain it because yeah, I, if, you, if, you, if you're in a relationship and you're in love and. It makes you want to go into business. I got nothing. Yeah, it doesn't compete with me. Um, <laughs> but but I appreciate your PG-13-ness. And I know what you're doing there, Dion. You are thinking that maybe I use the word infected to throw you off. But I'm going to give you another hint. That actually was the word in this study. It was That's not the, a hint. Well, I know, but... I know. I, I know. I, I know. I took away ninety-five percent of your answers yeah, at the break did. when I said <laughs> that it is not what you're thinking, and I know what you're thinking, Dion. Yeah, I'm, I'm grasping at straws now. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for keeping it PG-13. I try. Uh, you know, Michelle. Um, I'm going with something just as cheesy, and I'm going to say they are infected with the entrepreneurial spirit. What is that? <laughs> I did. Sadly, I didn't expect you to ask that question. <laughs> um, you know, when people get the bug for business and they suddenly want to create one. Okay, I'm going to say this is an actual infection. This is like... Um, this is so, a terrible pre-break quiz. No, see, I think this is great. Well, I was well, so... When I, when, when I thought actual infection, after my other answers, I, I thought like chicken pox or something. Hmm. Okay, not chicken pox. Not chicken pox, but it is an actual infection. Ross... Bring it home, Ross. Oh, really? Um, well, since you said a genuine infection, um, I went from really curious to what the answer is to because I am an entrepreneur and started my own business, now I'm calling my doctor. <laughs> I'm really concerned now because this I haven't a clue. Yes, and you should know that more than 2 billion people, including 60 million people in the United States, I know you're in Canada, Ross, but just saying, you, you come here a lot, I, yeah, um, are, are estimated to be infected with this. But they don't show any symptoms. No idea. This is creepy <laughs> now. I'm just, I'm just really, really scared now. I, I, I read so much that I sometimes come across a gem of which I think this is. <laughs> um, okay, so I will, I will share this because we have no callers either. I think I've, I've stumped, stumped, stumped everybody. Stumped everybody. <laughs> yeah, scared them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so recent research has found that university students who tested positive for the parasite Toxoplasma gondae, which I might be pronouncing wrong, but is found in cat poop, were more likely what? to... I'm telling you, I'm not making this up. We're more likely to major in business and professionals with the parasite were more likely to start their own business. On a global level, they compiled data in 42 countries and saw a positive correlation between the presence of this toxoplasmosis and the proportion of people who reported an intention to launch their own business or who actually were in the business. And their study talks about the fact that this infection influences our brain and our human decision making, reducing fear and allowing us to take more risky behaviors. You can be infected in it through cat feces or contaminated <laughs> meat or drink, but... Um, this is PG-13? Well, it's it's a f you should know that sixty million people in the U.S. <laughs> have it and they don't know. Well, wait a wait. minute. So let me get this right. Yes, we were supposed to come up with toxoplasmosis. That was my next answer. I know, I yeah. know, I know. Michelle is thinking it. You could have. would have accepted cat poop. You, you I would have. I would have accepted. You, you could have changed this, the question to if you have this, and the answer would have been cat. Well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. There is like a cat a cat poo tea or something, right? Isn't there a tea that's like strained through cat poo? Now I'm kind of wondering. All right. To go I don't even some. know Whoa. what the hell Michelle is talking about now. So there, we're getting our explicit rating on iTunes after that comment, I'm sure. But I'm going to say, like, okay, don't go out and get this thinking that you're going to be a better entrepreneur because... Can you just go get it? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm it's apparently tea. It's going to make you more risky. I'm not a physician, nor do we represent any medical advice on this channel, but um, because it's sadly been also linked to a higher prevalence of car accidents and suicide attempts because, again, the the re reduction... But the reason I thought Jeez, this was this interesting... This all over the place. Now i got to call my therapist, too. <laughs> Well, I thought it was interesting because it's October and, you know, you think about parasites that inf infect the brain and changing behavior. 
which leads me to think about brain z- food. Z- yeah, zombie. Like this is a real thing. <laughs> wow. All right. That's stretched. <laughs> Apparently, I think too much, but uh, you know, I just thought this was fascinating. Fascinating. No. By the way, I was wrong. It's not cat poo tea. It's cat poo coffee. Oh, they're beans that are grown in cat poo, and they call it a cat puccino. How okay. cute is that? That is no neither cute nor appetizing, <laughs> Michelle. Neither. Neither. <laughs> okay, well, there's my PSA for today. You might want to go get tested. Just saying. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, Ross, we've kind of gotten off topic, yeah. but but I really thought that was important for people to know. And um, we're talking about Switcher Fest. So, you know, let's wrap up with some some strong resume tips for people who are making a switch. And I know people are concerned about, um, you know, how do I rebrand myself? You brought up the summary. I think that's one of the strongest points yeah. is make sure you have a summary because people spend six seconds on your resume and that's going to be the 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 six seconds where they focus. So you don't want to make it a lengthy paragraph. You want to make it easy to read, maybe highlight some words in bold, make sure that you have your best and strongest information there, regardless of whether it's something you did 10 years ago, focus on the audience. What are some other quick tips we can give people as we wrap up career talk? Uh, That's probably the biggest one is you've got to make, you've got to make your case. If you're making a career switch, you've got to make the case into sort of our point earlier to back it up. Um, if you know you can't leave it to me if I'm the recruiter or the company or something like that. Um, if you simply sort of list where you've been and it's you sort of throw your your resume at me that way, and you're hoping to move into a new career, switch into something new, um, or get back into a career you were in ten years ago, you're leaving it up to me to sort of do the math. And and you have to remember you're competing against 100, 250 other people who are already doing that. So you've got to stand out. You've got to make your, the case for them. And just as you had said earlier, match first. You got to match. If I'm looking to hire X and you want to switch into X, then you got to present yourself as X to me. And the summary is a great place to do it. And be concise, no giant paragraphs, short little bursts of information. Even if you do so, like one or two quick lines, skip a line, one or two quick lines, or some bullet points, bold some things, highlight some things. But basically, you know, you got to summarize it for people right up front and make the case. And you would also mention the. Um, the functional resumes, which many people believe is a great solution to, to making a career switch, the problem is the industry hates them. So if your target audience hates a particular format, don't give them that. Mm-hmm. Um, give them a summary that tells the story better. Um, pull out whatever is relevant. If it turns, if you're making a switch, I would rather, if it turns your, you know, and you have to pare down your work experience to take some of the less relevant, less technical, for example, stuff out, you may end up with a really strong, focused one-page resume. I would rather you did that than had a two-page resume that goes off in a completely different direction. Yep, I agree. And wrapping that up in closing, don't let the great stuff be hidden by the good stuff. You will have the opportunity once you get in front of that decision maker, which is your goal with the Mm -hmm. resume, is to get to the interview. Then you'll have the opportunity to talk more about everything you bring to the table. So, Ross, it's been fantastic having you back on the show for Switcher Fest. Can you please remind people how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, they could email me directly, Ross at yourcareerquest.com or even call me toll-free 1-877-426-8548. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your great thank advice. You. Of course, thank you to our callers and listeners. We are here for you every week. Michelle and Dion, you guys make this show so much fun. And there is lots more Switcher Fest to come. We'll be talking about military to civilian. We'll be talking about transitioning after a big gap out of the workforce and many, many more topics here on Career Talk through November 8th. So we look forward to having you join us here on SiriusXM Channel 132. We'll see you next time. 